Hey folks, Randy Newberg here. Welcome to Loopold's Hunt Talk Radio. As I was walking, I saw a sign on the sign it said no trespassing, but on the other side it didn't say nothing. Well, that sign was made for you and me. Hey folks. Randy Newberg here with another episode of Leupold's Hunt Talk Radio. Today is a very important episode, uh, one I've been trying to figure out for a couple weeks, uh, how we make this work, how we get everybody together. Uh, and it's going to be around a, a topic that is uncomfortable, uh, and that is ex- inclusivity in the hunting space. Um, I know some of you who've listened to the podcast, followed my content. Uh, if you listen, I think it was episode number 142. If you go back and listen to that one, uh, there's a guest on, on that podcast, Orlando Childs. Uh, you've since seen Orlando in some of our videos, uh, my moose hunt last year. Uh, and... I've, I've tried to figure out how do I use my platforms to help with the idea that everybody should have an outdoor experience like I'm able to have. How, how does everybody have a, a fun, pleasurable the experience? You know, the, the motto of, of the group that, that we're having here today, uh, hunters of color, their motto is the outdoors are for everyone. And I think in my world, I always thought, well, gosh, that should be the case. Um, but as I've gotten older, I've had to face the reality that that's not necessarily the case. Um, so it's been an awakening for me. Uh, it's almost embarrassing to say that, uh, given the realities of, of the world. Um, but whenever I have questions about these topics related to, uh, they call it BIPOC, Black, Indigenous, People of Color, and how they feel welcome or not welcome or safe or unsafe in the outdoor space, I've always imposed on Lydia Parker. She's taken so many of my questions, uh, spent so much time giving me perspectives and ideas on this that I'm, I'm very grateful to her, uh, for being that resource because I'm, I, uh, you, I'm sure you'll hear in the podcast that I, you know, I'm kind of ignorant about these topics, not because I want to be, it's just how my life has, has evolved, where I grew up and the people I've been around. Uh, so, uh, I've always reached out to people who, when I know what, if there's one thing that comes with age, you, you hopefully know what you don't know. Uh, and then you reach out to people who might be able to tell you what you don't know. Uh, and Lydia has served that purpose for me. So, uh, I've, I've asked Lydia if they would come on this podcast and, talk to me about it, which hopefully will be a discussion that benefits all of you. Uh, when I say they, uh, Lydia is the executive director of Hunters of Color, and Alex Harvey is one of their board members. Um, I, I asked them, hey, 
could you come and do this? And what brought it up, uh, and not just, uh, you know, two years ago when Orlando Childs, the guy who I'd been trying to coach along on a bear hunt here in Montana, uh, not just his event, but recently there was an event in Pennsylvania where a, a black hunter, Peter Spencer, was shot. Uh, he went out on a hunting trip and, and got shot, nine, I think, nine times. Tragic event. Uh, and so when I read about that, I asked Lydia, hey, how can my platforms create more awareness about what this the reality of the situation is for BIPOC? Um, and so they talked about it on their end of who who and what would we want to cover and and that's a, what we're going to do on this podcast uh we're going to try raise some awareness here awareness of what it's like for for some people that may not look like me you know i'm i use the term i always the gray-haired white guy that's who i am and the majority of hunting the majority of media and hunting the majority of messaging and hunting hunting is though gray-haired white guys like me and uh, I hope that I learn. Uh, I hope that uh, I, after this podcast airs that Lydia and Hunters of Color don't say, oh, we're not going back on that podcast because I'd like to have them come back again. I think this is a worthwhile discussion. It's a discussion that's important to me and a discussion I want to have. So uh, that's what you hear uh, when when we turn on the mic and switch over here. You're going to hear uh, me, Lydia Parker, Executive Director of Hunters of Color, and Alex Harvey, Board Member of Hunters of Color. Uh, we're going to have a conversation about this stuff. And like I said at the beginning, I, I think it's, you know, it's going to force us to touch on some places and walk to some areas that are uncomfortable. Um, but this issue isn't going away. We can wish it away, but it's not going away. So how do I use our platform to try make progress towards the goal of making the outdoors for everyone? So that's what we'll be talking about. But before we get there, I want to thank Leupold. They're the ones who make this podcast possible, make a lot of our stuff possible. Go to Leupold.com, check out all their stuff. Uh, another family-owned business from Oregon, Nosler Ammunition. Go to Nosler.com. Go check out all their stuff at Nosler.com. Uh, I know ammo's in short supply, but it's not because they're not working hard. They're uh, they're giving it their best effort. Uh, Mr. Ranch Backpacks. If you want to save 10% on those amazing backpacks that you see us wearing, uh, go to the Go Hunt gear shop, GoHunt.com. Go to their gear shop. Use promo code Randy when you check out, and you'll get 10% off that Mystery Ranch pack. And most other things that will be in your cart, most other non-sale items, you'll also get 10% off those. Uh, our buddy Corey Jacobson has the University of Elk Hunting course. Uh, go out there to, I think it's at Elk 101 is where you sign up. And uh, when you sign up, uh, it'll give you 20 bucks off that course. Uh, you'll learn an awful lot about elk hunting from someone who been there, done that, knows it. Uh, and that's, you know, like he always says, his mistakes have been as great as teacher uh, as it is for me. So a lot of valuable information out at the University of Elk Hunting. And then uh, if you go out to Go Hunt 
and you want to sign up for their insider service, it is application season and research season. So go out there. If you sign up for the insider, now you get all the stuff you got in the past, you know, the draw odds, uh, the research articles, the filtering, all that stuff that makes it so easy to research. But in the last little over a year now, you also get their maps for all that. We're talking desktop maps, mobile maps. Uh, now they're coming out with all these e-scouting tools, the terrain tools, stuff like that. So if you go out there and sign up for the Insider, use promo code Randy, and they'll give you a $50 gift card. I, I think they actually put it in your cart, and you get to use it in their gear shop. So, and then the last one is uh, if you're looking for our content in a way where you don't have to be served ads and, and, you know, waste your time, or if you also feel like me and don't like having your personal information being the currency by which big ad-based technology companies make their money, uh, you can go out and subscribe to our Fresh Tracks Plus platform. Uh, that's freshtracks.tv. And... Uh, we, uh, we have all of our content out there. It goes out there before it goes anywhere else. Uh, and we got some exclusive content out there. Uh, we're starting a lot of uh, calls or we call them, I don't know, live events just to the Fresh Tracks Plus audience where you get to ask me all kinds of questions. Uh, <laughs> that might not be worth anything, but uh, it's stuff that we're doing. Uh, there's exclusive content out there. So uh, anyhow. Appreciate y'all being here. Um, hopefully you'll you'll listen to this conversation. You'll think about it in the context of, of how we can all be more aware, but not just aware, how we can do more. How can, how can everybody uh, make the outdoors welcome for everyone? And uh, that's the goal. Hopefully we'll accomplish some of that. And... Uh, Appreciate Lydia and Alex for taking the time and uh, honoring my request or <laughs> or giving into my my uh, inquiries of saying, hey, can we go talk about this? Uh, but anyhow, thanks for being here, folks. Here we go. All right, folks. I told you this is a podcast that is super important to me. Is a topic that you've heard me bring. To, to my audience through multiple platforms over the last few years, especially. And uh, it's, it's a very, for some people, it's a very difficult topic and hard problems to solve or hard issues make for difficult conversation. But in light of some things that have happened uh, to me, to people I know, and then something that's happened recently that we'll get into in this podcast, I've asked Lydia Parker and Alex Harvey from Hunters of Color to come on our podcast and talk about some of these things. Uh, before we get into them, though, uh, I want Lydia and Alex to give us a little background about who they are, who Hunters of Color is. And I I think we caught Lydia in one of those days where she's doing 45 different things. And it sounds like you even got a couple dogs you're taking care of. If I can, did you not feed the dogs today? Or? No, right on cue. Yeah, no, I, uh, I've got two, two dogs. We've got our hunting, hunting lab, Rusty, and then we have a, we have a, um, hospice dog. It got a 11 year old boxer here and they are enjoying probably the mailman or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, our audience loves dogs, Lydia. So you're just fine with, with having dogs in the background. Perfect. Awesome. So 
Lydia, Alex, when I called you or email, I guess I emailed you, right? And said, hey, I want to have you guys on the podcast. Uh, tell tell the, the world a little bit about yourselves and about Hunters of Color so they know where we're going with this conversation and who's here. Yeah, Niawa, Randy, Lydia um, um, Hi, my name's Lydia. I'm from the Walker Mohawk Band of the Ganyankayaka, or Mohawk Tribe, as you've probably heard us called. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm Wolf Clan. Um, I'm proud to be Mohawk and Haudenosaunee. Um, and I take that with me uh, as my identity everywhere I go and, and into into hunting. I think that's part of Hunters of Color. Um, I'm the executive director and one of the co-founders, and it's part of my impetus for starting Hunters of Color. Part of my my goal um, was to is to create more of a connection to nature, restore a connection to nature that my family has had for thousands of years on this continent. Um, just yesterday, I was meeting with some folks from my tribe looking at artifacts from 5,000 years ago from flint-napped uh, broadheads um, and, and thinking about, you know, hunting back in the good old days and, and what that must have been like to be so much, to, to have to be successful to rely on that for food and, um, and to be able to bring that, that um, tradition and that connection to culture and ancestry and um, to, to our day-to-day life and to, to hunting in 2022 um, as part of my goal and in, in being one of the founders of Hunters of Color. Um, our co-founders, Jimmy Flatt and Thomas Tyner, uh, are also um, BIPOC, as we say, Black Indigenous People of Color. Um, Jimmy is Latino uh, and Pacific Islander. And Thomas is black. And so we came together as kind of this little trifecta of friends um, who love the outdoors and love, love people and um, love, love nature and, and, and want to support conservation for the long run um, and realize, you know, that uh, cr- according to the current statistics at the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, 97% of hunters identify as white. Um, and that's really surprising compared to the country, you know, where 63 or 64% of people identify as white. And so obviously there's, there's something to that. And so our goal through hunters of color is to look at some of those barriers to entry, you know, what's happened to get us to this point where there is this, um, uh, racial inequity that we see in the outdoors and, and how we can then in understanding history and understanding how we got to this point can, can make some real changes and take some action to, to make sure the outdoors are for everyone as our motto says. So, and one of our board yeah. members, Alex Harvey is here too. Um, I don't know, Randy, if you want to pitch it to him or <laughs> I, I'll set it up to Alec before we turned on the mic, he and I were planning where we're going hunting together. Uh, <laughs> he was telling me some of this some of my stuff he's watched and listened to i at first i thought he was going to ask for his money back or he asked for my <laughs> ask for my address so he could send me an invoice for all the time it cost him but anyhow alex uh yes, thanks sir. for being here thank you man i i uh it's a privilege it's a great privilege to be on your podcast i've you know i've listened to a number of episodes and uh you know, I, I think you you do some really awesome stuff. So uh, I'm just a it's just an honor to be here. Yes, I'm a, a board member with Hunters of Color, and um, I'm originally from Mississippi, Mississippi boy. I've, I've been all over the the country. I am a, a forester and wildlife biologist, and um, I am um, um, I, I own and run a company called Legacy Land Management LLC, which does a lot of work in um, in uh, 
in African-American communities, more or less uh, around uh, a specific set of issues in, in terms of uh, helping these communities understand the resources that they have at their disposal and, uh, you know, managing them to their, to their highest and best use. Um, and um, I am a, a passionate conservationist and, uh, you know, I, I can't I can't even begin to tell you how important hunting is to me. I, I come from a, a very steeped uh, family uh, tradition of, of, of outdoors folks um, from the deep south. And, um, you know, a lot of the a lot of the issues that are <clears throat> most important to me have to do with uh the intersectionality of, of uh, natural resources and and uh, how we utilize those things and and how some people you know uh, exist and coexist within that space. So um, again, great great pleasure and a privilege to be here. So well, thank you, uh, Alex. You you uh, I I'm going to ask Lydia this question because you already answered it without me asking. Lydia, did did I read? somewhere along the way that uh you picked up hunting somewhere along the way in the last five or ten years or something or yeah. did i read that wrong yeah no my journey is much more recent it was actually when i met thomas and jimmy in college um we all went to oregon state university um go beavers <laughs> <laughs> and uh we're all osu grads um and when we met in college i had been um, archery is just a hobby, you know, it wasn't something that I ever thought about even, you know, considering, con uh, converting that, that skill that I had into actually procuring meat. Um, it was just mm. something I did for fun and I grew up fishing my entire life. Um, but it, to a little more context for, for listeners, my dad is indigenous and my mom is white. And so having that, um, juxtaposition of, of, two very different experiences. Um, it was really interesting because my mom's family grew up hunting and fishing just as a means to provide, you know, to put food on the table, growing up pretty poor in rural Oregon uh, in Missouri. And my dad grew up in a city where that wasn't something that he ever had to do. Um, and firearms where he grew up were not seen, not seen as a tool to procure meat, you know, where he, where he came from, it was not, um, not looked upon favorably if you had firearms. Yeah. And so, uh, I had these two really weird, um, you know, different experiences in my parents and my own identity. And so for me, it was something that didn't really feel attainable, um, until I met Jimmy and Thomas as a 20 year old. Hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I was, I'm, I was definitely an adult, <laughs> uh, but was able to easily confer some of those um, skills like archery and even angling. I think if you angling is a gateway drug to hunting, <laughs> oh, yeah. so I think uh, being able to to convert those things and have have community to hunt with was really important. Yeah, that's so. I, I just wanted that background because my audience, you know, we're on the podcast number 170 something here they already know that i grew up a square-headed finlander from northern minnesota who's below average at most everything but fortunately there was abundant uh fish and and game to sustain me when i when i proved how below average i was but uh i i want to start talking about some of these things and you know we've I've had the benefit of Lydia, you and I have swapped quite a few emails over the last year or so. And 
I've, I've sought your counsel and advice on some of these topics. Uh, and I've, through that, I've become familiar with hunters of color, what, what your goal is, uh, you know, your tagline of the outdoors is for everybody. Uh, I'd like to spend a little time talking about just your organization where, you know, what it's trying to do, what's, uh, why, uh, if, if you have a quote unquote, why, I mean, every business says they have a why, but, uh, just tell you, you and Alex, both of you tell us what hunters of color is and, and what you hope will the difference it'll make. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so first and foremost, Randy's being, Randy's being humble, <laughs> um, in, in talking about our interactions. Um, Randy in talking with you and your son, Matthew, um, you were able to, to help us actually take a new hunter out this year, um, through our mentorship program, which is kind of the cornerstone of hunters of color, um, and why we do what we do. It's our why, uh, but I can get into that a little bit too, but, um, I wanted to thank you and, 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 um, for, for sponsoring that seat. And I know, you know, we, as we're a nonprofit and so you were able to, to help us. Um, and, uh, one of the, the new hunters that came out, Joel, Joel Zavala, he has now he's full fledged. He's like, where can I do this more? It was his first hunting experience (laughs) and he is just roaring to go. Um, and that's thanks to you, Randy. So, um, I appreciate that. And especially, you know, having us on to talk about this important stuff too, that we'll get into. Um, but being able to, to set the tone by thanking you for, for being there in our joy too, and being there to support hunters of color, not just when we're dealing with traumatic situations, but being there to support, you know, the work and, and the goals of hunters of color. So, um, but yeah, thank you for that. But sure. Now the dogs are barking. <laughs> well, that's a good time for Alex to join yeah, in then when the dogs are barking. Um, you know, I, I think uh, uh, for me, you know, uh, Hunters of Color is really important because um, so although I'm from Mississippi, I started my career, uh, which is important to me, uh, up in northwestern Pennsylvania uh, as a forester oh. with the U.S. Forest Service. And so, um, you know, I, I had never uh, I'd never lived outside of the South before. And um, I got up there and I was meeting all these city people who were vastly different from me. And, um, you know, the more I talked to them, uh, you know, I, I realized that there were a lot of vast differences. Right. And so yeah. I, um, <laughs> you know, I, I, uh, I began to meet people who were profoundly interested in things that were uh, pretty common to me just by the way that I grew up and, you know, and the things that I like to do. Um, but, but didn't have much of an avenue to get into it. And, um, so I've always, you know, in, in many ways, just tried to sort of be a, a, a bridge, if you will, to show, uh, the importance of, of hunting and, and, and being outdoors and, you know, and, and I guess you could call, you know, just much older traditions of, of how to live. And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, the thing that I, that I most, uh, would love to see is is hunters of color um, being uh, the catalyst for a community of people that um, that that get to learn and experience the outdoors in ways that are important. And you know that that's important for so many reasons. But you know we can get into uh, the very real likelihood that uh, 
or the reality rather that a lot of people don't understand hunting and they see it as this sort of archaic thing where you just get together and you just want to go murder something or that kind of thing. And, you know, we know that that is, you know, um, for the vast majority of people who are hunters, that's, that's not at all what this is about. And um, it's, it's not, it's not about, you know, guns or love for guns in the same way. It's about food, really. It's about food culture and, um, and, and, uh, and much, and things that are much deeper. And so, you know, I, I think that uh, the importance of an organization like Hunters of Color being a, a a place, if you will, that's safe and 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 allows everybody to sort of you know learn and be and 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 uh, and you know with all the partners that we have, I mean, there's just uh, there's so much room for for growth and opportunity for the hunting community to say, you know, how how can we you know really start thinking about the future of hunting. And the very real reality that in the years to come, we're looking at a country that's going to be totally different, you know, in terms of ethnicity and diversity. Right. And so, you know, how do we ensure that hunting is around and that hunting is as important for future generations as it has been for generations past? And, um, you know, that that that, of course, is the stuff that really drives me and gets me fired up, you know. So yeah, the two of you explaining this had me fired up. So I'm wondering, are you going to be running for office? And can I be the can can no. I be your can I be no. your campaign treasurer? I mean, I'm a CPA. I'm I'm not able to do much in a campaign, but I'd be your treasurer if nothing else. No, uh, no, but, no office, uh, no ambitions here, man. I just I just want to go be in the woods and be left alone by the rest of the world. <laughs> yeah. Uh, when when hunters of color came about as an idea was it uh one striking event or a series of events or was it just something that you know people looked around and said well why don't we have a way for people of color to feel more, more welcomed or whatever term you want to put to it even even to the point where uh there's a little interjection here Orlando Childs who has Campfire Revolution was on a moose hunt with me this year uh we've talked you know he's been on this podcast before and he talked about some of these things of Randy uh, I don't know how to tell you this but it's not always that welcoming it's there's sometimes it doesn't even feel that safe and so I'm I'm trying to think of when a a really big idea like this comes together was it one event or was it a series of events or was it something that's been in the works for quite a while I think that there's and Alex can can answer some of this too but as one of the the founders I think that uh, the answer is yes. <laughs> all, of, all of the above. Um, between between my experiences, um, and as I mentioned earlier, you know, my growing up with a parent who hunted and a parent who didn't hunt, um, and kind of seeing how those are tied to to their experiences as their identities too, um, their ethnicities and, and racial identities. And then meeting Jimmy and Thomas in college where um, Thomas Thomas is black in the state of Oregon, which is 2.2% black. Um, so a very, very non-diverse state. Um, and he said that he didn't even really notice until he would be out hunting, until he was on the mountain um, and, and was the only black person around, you know, out here on our beautiful um, Cascades uh, or, or coastal mountain range. 
he, he noticed. And Jimmy, too, uh, growing up as he's, um, as I mentioned, Pacific Islander in Venezuelan, uh, growing up in San Francisco in a very diverse part of the world, um, actually the mm-hmm. second most diverse community in, in the U.S., only second to New York, um, he saw all of that diversity disappear for some reason when he started hunting when he was eight years old a a family friend took him out because his parents didn't hunt so um he and then when he tried to get his friends into hunting they'd say nah man we don't do that or that ain't for us really or that kind of thing yeah um because of a, a myth um that that hunting is you know, a white sport, for example. Um, right. It's a myth that I think is perpetuated by um, even our own communities sometimes. But also, when we see statistics like 97% of hunters are white, you can see how that would, you know, that might feel that way, that that's not for us. Um, right. And so, without, you know, without taking the time to really understand the history and taking the time to figure out some of those barriers to entry that are unique and are specific to people of color, um, you know, we're never going to be able to get, get more diversity in hunting. So all of that culminated all of our life lived experiences. Um, and then reading Patrick Durkin's article, um, is hunting too white, <laughs> which came uh, out, you know, with a, with a headline like that, you had to click on it. Um, right. but, Patrick is a great guy. He's, yeah. he's interviewed me many times, but I remember reading that article. Yeah. Yeah. Patrick's a wonderful, he's interviewed me as well. He's a wonderful writer. Um, and the fact he even took the time to think about that, you know, when we look to the future, as Alex mentioned, we look to the future of hunting. Our goal is to, that these hunting traditions, these things that we love, the conservation dollars that the Pittman Robinson Robertson um, act gives to conservation, that that has longevity. And in order for that to happen, we need to ensure that the outdoors are for everyone. Um, so that's my answer. I don't know, Alex, if you have <laughs> any more. Well, um, you know, for me, I, I would say that that is a really complicated question, uh, <laughs> s- solely because, I mean, I, you know, I grew up in the, in the deep South in a very sort of insular, um, African-American culture where by and large, I mean, the, the vast reality is that way more, African-Americans in particular, but people of color hunt and and do outdoorsy recreational things than I would say the vast uh, majority realizes. And in the, in the deep south, I mean, you know, we, we tend to do those things on private property more than anything and don't necessarily utilize public spaces um, as much. And that, that has a very long, complicated history, unfortunately, of, of the residue of, of racism and all of that. But um, you know, even even outside of the South, of course, I met I met a lot of people that hunted and loved to fish and, and all those all those sorts of things. But, um, you know, there there is just a great deal of complexity in terms of when you start peeling back that onion and you start looking at, um, you know, uh, where people are from and how they how they kind of were incorporated into this this whole idea. I mean, my, my family, I'm at least a fifth generation outdoorsman. I I know for a fact, but, um, you know, and I would imagine, you know, even beyond that, that my family, of course, were, were outdoorsy people, but, um, you know, there is a, um, I'm kind of losing my point here, but there's a, uh, a really complicated, uh, narrative in terms of, of people, uh, feeling welcomed, 
in a lot of these spaces. And and I was listening to uh, not long ago, I was listening to a podcast with uh, with uh, Jonathan Wilkins and uh, Dr. Scott Giltner, I believe his name is, where he was talking about the book uh, Black Labor and White Leisure in the American South. And, you know, a lot of those things he points out are the result of, of gun laws and conservation laws that were meant to uh, restrict um, African-Americans the access uh, to get into those things. So you have generations that are that are sort of removed from what is what has been historically a very important part of African-American culture in the Deep South and and other cultures in other places. Um, and, you know, once you start really looking at this stuff, I mean, you know, the I would say the notion that a lot of people feel is that, quote unquote, we don't do that, whoever we may be. Um, I, I would you know, I, I would just say, no, that that's that's definitely not not the case. Um, you know, I, I don't know, um, at least in my family and in, in many communities of African-Americans across, I don't. You know, everybody is outdoorsy. I remember going to school at Mississippi State and, you know, people would ask me, you know, in the, you know, in the College of Forest Resources, hey, why, you know, why don't we have more, more African-Americans that are interested in coming to school here or what kind of, you know, that, that sort of thing. And the reality was that, you know, you were looking at the fact that many African-Americans didn't necessarily see natural resources as a viable career option because historically a lot of people had not reached out to them. And then, um, you know, there, when I got there, there were issues just in terms of the climate and how people felt welcomed there. Right. And so also, you know, again, I've hunted all over the country and I, I remember moving to Northwest of Pennsylvania and living up there and and going out in the woods and and here's the thing man i i am an outdoorsy guy i i don't i can't say that i've ever necessarily thought twice about going outside anywhere no matter where i was but um the reality is that i definitely encountered people who who looked at me with a certain set of eyes and and perhaps made some assumptions about who i was or where I was from. And, you know, if they heard me speak, then they realized quickly, Oh, he, he's from the deep South. Right. He, you know, that kind of thing. And, and that maybe of course kind of altered their, their images or perceptions. But, you know, the, um, the fact is that, you know, sometimes it's as, as simple as a, as a stare or, mm-hmm. a, 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 you know, even pretending as if someone isn't there. And, and, you know, and, and that, that is a very, you know, that can be a very horrible thing. And, um, and, you know, I, I, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a big guy when I go somewhere, everybody knows I'm there and, (laughs) and I don't, I don't, I don't hide that, (laughs) you know, I, I just, um, I'm, I'm me. And if I start talking, then everybody in the room is probably going to hear what I have to say because that's just my personality. So, (laughs) you know, um, but but I, you know, I would say, uh, you know, look. At, at the end of the day, I I really love hunting, you know, and um, I love it so much that I also want to see that it is always there for some little kid that comes along, fifty or a hundred years from now, who who doesn't necessarily know the direction that their life might be going in. And, and hasn't realized the the magic that I've been able to experience growing up and and that it's an avenue there for them to do it, you know, and um, 
that's that's the thing that that I think should motivate all of us. And in terms of talk, you know, listening and talking to hunters of all different ethnic backgrounds and that kind of thing, this is who we are as a community. This is what hunting is about. And you know, you know, we have to unfortunately grapple with a lot of things that I that I would say that we have not done so well at talking about or even acknowledging. And, you know, once we begin to do that, then, you know, for what it's worth, I mean, we save the soul of something that is profoundly important to all of us and has meant a lot to our heritage and our culture and our identities. And and, um, you know, that that's just kind of where I am, you know. Well, I I think what you just said there. Alex and both of you have said, I, I'm not, I mean, if you see me on the screen here writing notes, it's not, no one's getting demerits. You're saying things that I make a note of. So I don't forget, yeah. <laughs> uh, no matter who you were, if someone read a transcript of what both of you have just said, it would be exactly what I would have said. If I was to try explain what hunting means to me and what it's meant to my family, my communities, my interaction with the natural world where, uh, for me, if I'm looking for sanity <laughs> in, the, in a crazy world, and this goes back from when I was a kid, I always went to the wild places and the natural, uh, the, the places of nature. It, it, things made sense. Things were comforting, but. I had the benefit that everybody looked like me. And for the for the audience here, I'm just going to say this so nobody gets too worked up from the beginning. Uh, my audience has heard me say this a lot. So uh, Lydia and Alex, if you guys have the look of, oh my gosh, what's he talking about? Uh, I always refer to myself as the old gray-haired white guy. Okay, <laughs> so in this podcast, if I'm saying things like, you know, us old gray-haired white guys, it's a little bit tongue-in-cheek, but it's also the fact that the majority of the hunting world looks like me. And uh, I don't think that's uh, for for the future. I, I think we need more different faces, more different looks, more different cultures, and more of, of diversity of everything to that to make hunting this more robust place. Because for me... The, the power of hunting and the power of the story of hunting for me gets more fascinating and more in depth every time I talk to somebody else who comes to it from a different culture, a different background, mm -hmm. a different perspective. And the two of you have just added a couple more layers I of agree. depth to, yeah. to yeah. my, my view of how, mm -hmm. how I see this. And so yeah. I appreciate you providing that background because when we talk about some of the topics I think are going to be difficult for, for us to, and I don't want to say amongst us, but some people struggle with, with these topics. I just want them to know that if they would have read your transcript and not heard it, they would have been like, yeah, yeah, that's me. That's, that's, that's what I'm about. So it, it shows the commonality of, of who we are as, as hunters and, and people who want a better place. And, yeah. uh, so, uh, we're going to get into some of these topics then that, that brought this, this conversation even further. Um, the, 
Uh, I'm going to kind of roll back the hand of time a little bit, though. Uh, I'd ask people to maybe go to episode 142 of this podcast, if you haven't. And Orlando Charles and I do a podcast. And it was after he'd had a chance to think about the experience he had in Montana. He came here on a bear hunt. I was helping him out. Uh, even though we'd never met, he tells me, yeah, I'm from the Bay Area of California. I want to get into hunting. I'm like, how cool is this? And uh, quite honestly, it, it wasn't until we talked on the phone that I had any idea what his background was, other than I thought he's, you know, some urban person who took up hunting as an adult. Well, come to find out, he's black and I'm, he he kind of said something to the effect of, I can't believe you're helping a black guy. I'm like, well, why wouldn't I? That that struck me so weird as like, has his life experiences in the outdoors been such that it seems strange for another hunter to help him? It's like, whoa, that, these, these are light bulbs going off in my head that I wish would have went off 40 years ago, but here, you know, here's where I find myself. So he goes, he tells me, well, I want to go to this spot. I'm like, yeah, that'd be a good spot. He goes there uh, by himself and some local knotheads come by and one evening or, or afternoon are giving him a, a pretty hard ride. Uh, I think it was more than just the stare that you mentioned, Alex. Uh, I think it was words and threats. Uh, they come by his camp, say some things the next day there's, I think he said there were, there were even more of them and they stopped and talked to him and made it very clear, uh, he wasn't welcome here and that him being there could have some negative consequences to him. So he, uh, he goes radio silent for about two weeks. Finally, he texts me. He's like, hey, man, sorry. Because he'd been texting me, oh, I saw this bear. I saw that bear. I'm going here. He, he was so excited. And then it just goes off the map. Well, uh, we talk about that in that podcast. And I appreciate that he was willing after a while to to say, Randy, okay, I'm, I'm willing to talk about it. Uh, and since then, I, I've uh, tried to learn more about how real this issue is that this isn't just the one-off this isn't something that happened once every four years across the entire landscape of america this is happening a lot it's happening frequently and it's not happening to gray-haired white guys like me and that's what i i i I think it's incumbent upon me, people like me, people with platforms, which the majority of magazine, TV shows, you name it, podcasts, whatever. Again, we're mostly the gray-haired white guy crowd. We're the ones who, uh, it's incumbent on us to speak up and talk about this and bring the argument forward. Because the people who it's happening to, well, first of all, they, don't, they haven't been provided platforms like we are. So how are they going to change things? And it just automatically puts you in the position or people in the position of feeling like, oh, I'm here to defend myself or I'm the one making a stink or whatever. So with that background, I think the, the thing that really connected us here recently, Lydia, was a situation with Peter. Uh, and uh, Orlando's instance could have been a really bad outcome. 
but it wasn't. So it doesn't make headlines. So it doesn't, you know, it just gets swept under the rug and people can say, ah, yeah, all that, that never happens. Peter's situation takes it to that next level of, all right, what the hell's going on here? So with that, I'll, I'll quit talking and, and let you guys talk about how, how are these factors and how complicated this gets and, and how real it, it is for people of color. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that um, I can just go over what, what we know. Um, and, and then Alex, I'd appreciate if you talk a little bit about, you know, your experience again in, in Pennsylvania and, and the safety and, and what that looks like. Um, because we all, all three of us, and, and I'm sure listeners too, we all believe in the healing power of the outdoors and, and how great it is to be able to experience the outdoors. So our goal is not to, to, to scare anyone from experiencing these things. And so I know Alex would be um, able to touch on that a little bit more. But so basically what um, Randy is referring to and, and what we, we started talking about, because I knew that Randy cared um, and, and supported us in our joy that he would also be there you know, for us in, in these hard situations. Um, but what we're talking about is um, Peter Spencer who was a 29-year-old father-to-be, um, who was invited on a hunting trip in Venango County, Pennsylvania, rural Pennsylvania, uh, December 11th in 2021 by a former co-worker. Um, he was dropped off by his fiance, um, Carmela King, and he was found deceased later with nine gunshot wounds to his body. Um, and a suspect was detained and then released. Uh, there were multiple firearms found on the scene, uh, but the suspect claimed self-defense, even though Peter was shot nine times, some to the back, um, some to so close to his chest that there was muzzle flash on his chest and um, even through through his mouth, a um, uh, shot was fired. So even amidst all of that, um, no one has been charged. Um, and Peter Spencer's family is asking for justice, um, asking, asking for a clear and transparent investigation um, and, and justice for, for the family and, and for, you know, for the person who, who did this to him or people who did this to him to be brought to justice as well. Um, and it's, it's hard and it's heavy and it's something we don't want to be talking about right now, but something that is so important for us to talk about and also to just relay, you know, we've been, we've been talking with Peter Spencer's family's attorney. Um, you know, we've talked to the, some of the folks on the ground in Pennsylvania, um, who are leading this fight for justice for Peter Spencer, um, including the Black, Poli Black Political um, Empowerment Project in Pennsylvania and the Black Caucus and some of the folks on the ground. So we're just we're relaying what we know to be true. We're not here to, you know, make speculations or to to assume anything um, but we do feel this is really important to talk about. And from a, from a Hunters of Color perspective, and um, Alex, hopefully you can touch on yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, you know, this, this story, of course, is, is, is awful and frightening. But, you know, he, here's the reality that a lot of people don't, you know, they don't feel safe uh, going into the woods or, you know, hunting because they have these perceptions that, unfortunately, this could also happen to them. And, um, you know, it, it's a, uh, it is a reality to a lot of people. Uh, you know, I, I've, uh, personally, you know, I, again, I've been all over rural Western Pennsylvania and many other places. Um, 
you know, I, I have had people, you know, say a few things or, you know, uh, you know, that kind of thing. But, you know, generally I, you know, I don't, I just kind of go about my business and, and don't worry about it. But, you know, the reality is that you never know when someone's intentions are, are totally, totally awful. And, um, and, um, you know, I, again, I, I lived, I lived, uh, not, not too far from, you know, where this thing took place, maybe an hour or so. And, um, you know, I, I can say that for the most part, I mean, I, I encountered a lot of people who were probably just not, you know, not, um, you know, they, they didn't, they didn't necessarily want to communicate with me or what have you. And I, I of course met some, some nice folks, but, um, you know, there, there are people who, um, who don't have the best of intentions. And again, that's, that's, this whole thing boils down to the, the need for a community for people to see that, you know, hunting is, is an open, inclusive, uh, community by and large and, um, and know who to reach out to so that, so that, you know, um, you have a safe, enjoyable experience. Now, while we don't know all the details of this particular matter, you know, we we certainly hope that there is an ongoing investigation already taking place, and and that the the facts of it are made, uh, you know, public and in a very transparent fashion. Um, because you know, if if we um, if we want to see the react, you know, the uh, the likelihood that um, hunting creates more allies in different communities of people that have not historically done it, then that also creates uh, people who, who stand to the rail when hunting is under attack or somebody has a negative opinion or that kind of thing. And, um, you know, and, and um, you know, so, so these sorts of situations, of course, are, this isn't, I, I would say, you know, for the most part, if you were to talk to, um, urban uh, African Americans, particularly even in Pittsburgh, for instance, where I know a lot of people, um, you know, you you would um, you would get this sense that this is something that perhaps has happened in the past, or or is very likely to happen. Um, you know, I'll never forget. I, I uh, one weekend I used to live in a town called Marionville, Pennsylvania, and. I lived up there for about six, almost seven years, and I invited I invited some friends, about ten friends. I invited to come up and go camping. We were just going to rent a cabin and hang out and eat and go shoot guns and that kind of thing. And um, only two guys showed up, you know. And those of those those two guys, both of them said very starkly, you know, uh, first of all, we we never would have come here were it not for you and you inviting us but but by and large the rest of the folks didn't come because they just they didn't feel comfortable coming you know up here you know and i um you know that's still very striking to me because i you know this is a town i lived in for years and you know i i was a forester and law enforcement officer there and um you know uh did I have negative experiences? Yeah, I did. But, you know, I would also say that there were a lot of people who who I knew in the town who were were good people, you know, and, um, you know, it just if, if you think about the reality of uh, 
the, you know, the, the, the folks all across Western Pennsylvania, I mean, most people would, you know, certainly say, you know, just given what we know of this matter, that it seems troubling, you know, and, and that this this needs to be looked into, um, you know, and, and um, I think that, you know, for what it's worth and, and you know, I, I'll be careful in saying this, but the reality is that um, whether uh, Peter Spencer thought, well, OK, here's an opportunity for me to go hunting. I want to go hunting and I'm going to go on this trip then if that's what his family believes and that's what his community believes, then by and large, hunting becomes this thing that 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 in their family for generations now, they have to deal with this this awful thing, um, it, whether or not the intention on the part of whomever invited him there was for him to go hunting or not. There's a lot we don't know. Right. And so but what we don't want personally is. We don't, I, you know, I hate that this is a narrative that's tied to hunting, you know, and that this is, you know, that hunting as beautiful as it is, is, is a place and space where people of color cannot feel at home. And, um, and, and I just, um, you know, that, that is, that is problematic for me, you know. And and it is for me too, Alex. And I'm, I'm going to say this because, uh, you, the two of you in my interactions with you and what you've even said here, you, you are going so far beyond professional to not make any assumptions, to not draw any conclusions without knowing what you know. I mean, you know, like, like Lydia, you said, we know these as facts. You're you're going, I think, beyond reason or reasonableness in trying to sterilize that. We we don't want to say what happened or motives or you know what what the result of an investigation would be. I'm going to say that regardless of what the result of an investigation would be, the consequences that this story has the the unwelcoming just fog that it lays over hunting and the Mm -hmm. outdoors for every person of color who would ever think about going hunting and when a person of color tells me well my grandma used to talk about you know she knew black people who went hunting and didn't come back i used to think come on that's really that that's like late 1800 kind of stuff Mm. but this is someone telling me this in 2021 yeah and so here we are with another one of these stories yeah or not stories another one of these instances yeah but regardless of the outcome which hopefully they'll get to the bottom of yeah uh is just so damaging to Mm -hmm. getting more people who traditionally haven't been in the hunting fold now we've just we have got a hurdle that is so steep and so high to climb and it's it's a hundred percent reasonable for people to have that worry yeah and i want i i want us gray-haired white guys to try put ourselves in that shoe as much as we never will be in those shoes think about that yeah how if i was 14 and my uncle peter went on a hunting trip and i happened to be 
not the the white guy from the the you know the nor the majority white community I grew up in. Would I want to go out hunting? Yeah. Would I want to be around people with firearms? Yeah. Right. right. That's uh, so. That's why I want to talk about this stuff, mm-hmm. and it's it's painful, I'm sure, for those of you who experience these kind of instances to say, "Gosh, when it when is enough enough? When is it going to change? When's somebody going to speak up? When is when are people going to start taking the steps to try make this more welcoming?" Yeah. Yeah, and that's the important that's the important thing, and I think that you know to to bring it all down to the root of what we're talking about is and the importance to the hunting community, but the importance to just us as people, as human beings, you two as fathers, um, anyone listening who loves another person, that's all of us, right? That the, the fact of the matter is that a human being was killed. A human is dead. Um, a fiance lost the father of her baby. Um, a mom lost, lost a son. Um, and, what really brings it home to me and to us as a hunting community was that things like this happen every day, but this happened in the outdoors in a place where I can just imagine the excitement to go, to go on this hunt, you know, um, and where he should have, you know, come home to his family telling stories about, you know, getting his first buck or, whatever it is, providing meat for his family. Instead, we're having to, to talk about this because he, because he didn't make it home. Um, yeah. And that makes it, I think that puts responsibility on us in the hunting community to come around his family, to love on his family to, as we would with anyone. If that was, if that was your brother or your son or your, your fiance, as we would with anybody um, to, to ask for a clear and transparent and swift investigation for justice to be brought. And so us as the hunting community to, to be able to say, you know, we know this is wrong and we know that he should have gone home to his family. And that's not, there's nothing radical in any of that to say that, you know, and, and why, why it's so important to us though, as hunters of color is because you cannot, we can't separate his identity as a black man from what happened, regardless of intention, regardless of, you know, whoever it was that did take his life, um, regardless of any of that, the, regardless of all the facts of the investigation, the fact of the matter is that a young black man was killed and on a hunting trip. And it doesn't take much sleuthing. It doesn't take much time at all to look at some of these comments we see on, on social media saying things like, well, you see why I'll never go hunting. You see, well, you'll never catch me in the woods. You see, well, I'm not going to go outdoors. It doesn't take much at all to look at that because this is a fear that has already existed. When we talk about barriers to entry, and if you're interested in all of them, we have a frequently asked questions on our website, huntersofcolor.org. But one of the most common barriers... I, I hope people go read that, Lydia. I've read it multiple times, and it's eye-opening. Good, yeah, I'm <laughs> glad. But one Anyhow. of the most, the most common barrier that we come across is fear. And it's a real, it comes from generations of, for example, my people, indigenous people being forced off of our ancestral homelands, our ancestral hunting lands. It comes from generational trauma of what, what atrocities and crimes against humanity occurred in the South against black Americans. Um, it comes from generations of Texas Rangers chasing down Latino or immigrants in, in, in the Southwest. It comes from all of that. It comes from all of that treatment. 
that compounds upon itself as a fear of getting into the outdoors. And the fact of the matter is that no one should have to be afraid of other human beings when going on a hunting trip with, with friends. Um, obviously, safety is number one priority, being safe around firearms, but no one should have to fear for their life or for their bodily um, safety because of their identity, because of the color of their skin, because of their racial or ethnic background. And that's exactly if, if we're going to have a hunting community that exists in the future, as our nation becomes more and more diverse, we need to tackle these things and we need to start caring and being proactive. Yeah. So this document that we, the, among the three of us, we kind of bounced a document around and uh, I think I'm sitting on the last uh, draft of it here. Uh and when it came to me, I highlighted this part because it, it struck me. And I, I'd, it's still, as, I, as I'm reading it, I'm like, eh, ah. so I, I'm just going to read it. Uh, and again, both of you are very cautious about not saying the investigation is going to result in this or result in that. Uh, but uh, it says how many young black Americans have commented. And this one is a quote, you will never catch me on a hunting trip. Another person commented, this is why I don't go outdoors. That That's just like, for as someone whose place of sanity, whose greatest pleasures came from the outdoors, it's like, Oh man, this is like someone just jabbed me right in the lung with a sharp stick when I read that. And I guess, Alex, it's not really a question, but is this uh, to the degree that you, you want to talk about it, or, or I don't want to put you on the spot. Oh, no, but I, yeah. is, is this is this a? I can see now this is would be a reasonable response mm-hmm. for somebody who's came from a situation where there's always this underlying fear of why the hell would I go do that? Right, right. Well, I think you know. Um, look, there, there is a uh, there is a very uh, a very real uh, reality for people. And for many of us, it's, it's even in our in our in our uh, in our urban centers where, you know, we might be concerned that we may have an unfair and negative interaction with 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 law enforcement or someone of that ma- of nature. But, um, you know, um, I think that this is, you know, look, it's, it's real. It's real. And. Um, you know, people's sentiments around it, every, every, you know, I'm, I'm never one to judge, you know, to say why somebody shouldn't feel the way that they feel. Um, you know, that, that's, that's up to them, but you know, there are, there are tons of stories and instances in African-American families across the South, just people that I know of, of relatives being harmed or, you know, or, or hurt or, you know, having bad encounters or that kind of thing. I can, I can think of some that I, that I've personally witnessed in my family and, um, you know, it's, it's unfortunate and, and it's all too often a part of, of, of life for people of color in this country and, and other minority groups. But, um, but I, you know, I, I would just say that, um, you know, to, 
I think it's important. I mean, so I'm going to say this. I think it's important that even though we know all this stuff is the reality, we always try and work on highlighting the best and the positive among us. And we mm-hmm. know that there are wonderful people who are, who love, you know, whose love for this are as pure as, you know, as can be. And, and um, that we are working on developing a community of people, uh, you know, where, where everyone can feel welcome. And, and, you know, that's, that's kind of always, I, you know, I, there's, there's so much bad stuff that happens and that has happened day in and day out. And, mm-hmm. and I, you know, for what it's worth, um, you know, whomever may listen to this podcast that are, you know, that are uh, people of influence or, or just average, ordinary day-to-day folks, if, if you love hunting and, um, you know, you care about um, the perception on the part of a vast majority of people that, you know, that hunting is problematic and and there are all these other things that we know sometimes people believe those things and they're just not truthful i mean you know they people have their beliefs about how bad it is you know in terms of who we are our characters hunters but that's different but you know this this is the this is the reality on the part of far too many people that only stand to see hunting as something that is dismantled and taken apart and if you care about that, then then I would also ask you to extend yourself to the point that the reality is when and if the conversation or the issue becomes an incident about race, and it and it is, we can't we can't get away from that. Um, no. Then you know um, we should also push that away from somebody being able to experience what we love about the outdoors you know, and, and push back on that. And, and, um, and, and again, you know, most of the people that I, that I know, even many with whom I just might disagree with on this or that, um, I I would think that they have enough decency to say, you know, yeah, I'm just not going to sit by and let somebody, you know, feel unwelcomed out here when, when I enjoy being out here as well. And, you know, you know, that's, that's my thought, but, you know, I would say yeah. that if, if anyone can't can't grasp it in that way, then then yeah, we probably couldn't have a conversation in the first place. So you know, well, hey, I'll just use my own personal example. I I you can call it denial, ignorance, uh, not being very aware. I don't know. I I always thought that oh, that's the world behind us. That's you know, but from where I grew up. You know, <laughs> virtually uh, white America, rural, very rural white America. Now, the last 30 years, I've lived in Montana would be considered rural white America mm-hmm. also. Uh, and so, out of sight, uh, you know, out of mind and not intentionally. Just don't live it, don't see it. And so, when it pops up, I think a lot of people who, and I'd put myself in this category you know, a while back of first, the disbelief of that, that can't be that, 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 that's not the way the world is. There's, there's too many good people out there. Like you talked about Alex, but after a while, you can't deny that. And you have to think about it of, okay, how do I make a difference? And, and the make a difference doesn't come from a place of guilt 
it doesn't come from a place of, uh, you know, we want to throw so much baggage on these kind of things where I've never had a discussion with a black indigenous person of color where it was anything other than, hey, I want to go do this. All this other baggage we seem to talk about that are realities to our landscape uh, were there. And so when I started engaging in this, I will admit I had some, not discomfort on the topic, but discomfort because of my ignorance. I didn't, if I've never walked in your shoes, the minute I make an assumption, it could be the wrong assumption. And I, so (laughs) there is some intimidation there if you're the, I, again, I'm going to use the term, if you're the gray-haired white guy, it's like, <laughs> man, what if I say the wrong thing? What if I make a gesture that's, in, you know, of, full of per, just, per, you know, the, the great intent, but I say it wrong or I, I, I'm not aware of the customs and cultures. Or, so part of that is just a bigger factor that in our society, we're pretty segregated in how we live. And... Even that's even amplified even greater in the hunting space, as Lydia, you pointed out. 97% of people are white. So I'm asking those who look like me, those who come from backgrounds like me, take those steps and engage and listen and try to have understanding, try to have empathy because we're the ones who are going to change it. Yeah. If if we're going to make it more welcoming and feel safer so that the the college student, you know, you said you're 20 years old, Lydia, you meet some hunters in college. Would you have ever went out hunting if around that was the stigma of, well, I wonder if I get to come home after this? Right. Yeah. Uh, so the people who can change that are people like me. Yeah. The people who currently make up the big portion of it and and yeah there there's times i even i told you guys before we got on the the uh podcast here that man i hope i don't say something stupid if i do i'm asking your forgiveness in advance because there's no malice or intent it's just ignorance and so when we understand that and there's no guilt it's it's about making it a better place for everybody yeah i it's like okay yeah. Why, 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 why aren't we doing this? Why, why isn't it one of our priorities? Totally. Yeah. And that's something so. that I, I really want, you know, you, Randy listeners to, to know, um, we can't do anything to bring Peter back to his family. We can't do that. We can support his family. His family has GoFundMe's, um, which I'm sure R- Randy can link, um, or they're also in our, in our bio at Hunters of Color on Instagram, um, to support his family, take care of his, his unborn child um, amidst this tragedy. But what we can do also is be proactive um, to create a more inclusive and loving and listening and understanding and empathetic community in our own circle so that when Peter Spencer shows up at your deer camp, he's not only welcome but safe. When the next, when the next hunter who isn't sure if, he, if he's going to be safe or she's going to be safe or they're going to be safe shows up, you, you are committed to that ahead of time so that we're talking about this proactively rather than in the past tense. And I also want to say, Randy, I appreciate so much that the humility that comes with saying, you know, I, I don't know what I don't know. And I could, I could, you know, say something wrong and I don't, and if I do, you know, please tell me 
that's something that's so important to bring in any of these spaces that when you're trying to listen and trying to learn, it's that humility that we're all, we're all people, (laughs) nobody's perfect. As long as you're trying and listening and wanting to be loving and willing to hear someone say, Hey, like when you said this, this is actually how it came off. You had good intentions, but here was the impact, right. And understanding the difference between impact or intent. Um, you know, I, I think that one of the things that keeps people away from these conversations is that feeling of guilt or, or feeling of not knowing how to even talk about these subjects without people thinking that they're talking politics, um, which I just always like to remind people that none of what we're talking about is political. We're not talking red or blue or left or left or right, or we're talking about kindness and humanity. And we're talking about my family, Alex's family, Randy's family. We're talking about all of us. Um, and just by, just by recognizing that and and trying and listening, you're going to make a difference in your circle. So don't be afraid to try, um, and know that, you know, it's things like guilt and things like sadness, or even when we talk about hard things like this, of course, you're going to feel emotion, but use that emotion to motivate you to make a better future for everyone. That's more inclusive and make it true that the outdoors are for everyone. Um, I, I try, we, hunters of color has a, anti-racism and DEI training that we offer, um, for all of our partners that we can do anytime, you know, for anyone listening, uh, we'll always share that with you. Um, because we believe it's really important to have, you know, a starting, a starting place to talk about these things because it can be so confusing. And even as, uh, as you mentioned, Randy, that guilt that comes up, um, our goal is never to point fingers or shame anyone or make anyone, you know, feel bad about even their ancestors. Like I, <laughs> I think of you, Randy, and I'm not going to sit here and say, Randy, I blame you for the indigenous <laughs> removal of my ancestors from our, you know, from our ancestral land, because, and this is the most important thing of all my rambling, everything I just said, if you hear one thing, please hear this, that you are not responsible for the past, but you are responsible for the future. And that future is formed right now in the present. So what we can do, and and knowing that we are all mentors to somebody, some kid looks up to you. Um, some, I mean, clearly, Randy, everyone looks up to Randy, but <laughs> somebody <laughs> looks up to each and every one of us, right? And if we can set the tone to be a mentor who listens, who cares, who understands that we're not going to know everything, and we're not going to be right about everything, we're going to do things wrong. That's that's the key, you know, to creating an empathetic and loving and inclusive community that that we deserve, that people of color deserve, that Peter Spencer's family deserves, and something that we can do to be proactive for the future. Wow, that's uh, wish I could say it that well. <laughs> I, uh, that that's exactly it. And and Alex, I I just think about how mature you are about when we talk of this. You just have, I don't know if I'd say I've been there, done it, seen it, so nothing's going to affect me, or my passion for hunting and conservation is so strong I can block out the static. Uh, well, I, just, I appreciate that, man. I mean, look, these are, these are often, this is just really difficult to talk about, okay? It, mm-hmm. it just is. And, um, you know, I, I can tell you that, you know, from an African-American man's perspective, uh, how frustrating and and even angry th- these things can sometimes make me. But um, 
You know, I, I would say, yeah, my my passion and my love for, for hunting um, goes beyond um, a, a lot of different things. Now, you know, in regards to this situation, yes, I mean, you know, we, we have to show care and deference to uh, a man's family who was who was killed and um, and also also extend love to them because this is uh, this is awful. And I think that, you know, in, in this regard, you know, um, the the love is is the justice or, you know, or at least transparency, you know, where, where mm-hmm. there needs to be that. And so, um, you know, that's 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 what. I think everybody can agree that, that, you know, that should be put forth, you know, now. Um, yeah. I, you know, you know, I, I, yeah, I, I love hunting, man. I can't even, again, I, I can't even begin to, um, to, to explain all of that, you know, in this space or, or we don't have the time, but, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, um, you know, the, the last thing I want is anybody to, to just have the innocence of of wanting to go on a hunting trip and not return home for any reason, you know, right? For any reason whatsoever, you know, um, because it, for as much as I love to hunt, it's not worth not returning home. Okay, right. And um, you know, beyond that, you know, if um, as it appears, if it looks uh, that this was in some way racially motivated or what have you, then that needs to be, that needs to be addressed, you know? Yep. Uh, yeah. 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 Um, I, <clears throat> I think about all these things and you guys don't know it, but this discussion we've had here is why you're going to get the invitation to come back and talk about more of these issues because if it's like the last time I brought this issue up and Alex, you're so right. It, it takes courage to have these discussions, even among three people who have the utmost respect for each other. There's always the like, Oh man, gosh, what if I, you know, back to me, it's what if I say the wrong thing? Uh, but last time I brought this topic up, uh, so many listeners who heard about Orlando getting run out of Montana by some redneck bigots. The next day that that podcast dropped, here comes all these emails of the good people who say, I don't stand for that. That's not what I want as a part of the hunting space. Can you connect me to Orlando? When he wants to come bear hunting, he, he's welcome in my camp. And so from some of this, as dark as a lot of it is, as painful Mm -hmm. as a lot of it is, there are opportunities for everybody Mm -hmm. to do something that says, this isn't me. This is not what I stand for. This is not the community I want to be a part of. And make those affirmative, not Mm -hmm. just statements, but take those affirmative actions to do something about it because... Silence is as much of the enemy as evil. Exactly. Yeah. Inaction is as much of the problem as the bad actions. And so I, I hope when people listen to this and this, I'm just telling you folks, uh, this is not the last time you're going to hear this topic 
discussed on my platforms because I feel that much about it. As you were saying, Alex, I, I don't have words to explain what hunting has meant to me, what it has done for me, my family, my community, the people I care about, how I see the world, how blessed I feel. I I just don't have words. And I want every American who raises their hand and says, I want to hunt, I want to fish, I want to be in the outdoors. I want them to have exactly the same positive experience that Randy Newberg had. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I I think that's so important, um, Randy. But you're talking about people reaching out and saying, you know, um, or, uh, is it Orlando, Orlando, Chile, Orlando, yeah, yeah, Orlando's welcome to hunt with me anytime. You know, anytime that something like this comes up, we had an incident in Virginia where there were racial slurs spray painted all over um, a public land, actually, where. Uh, another young black man who hunts there with his, his kids was like, I can't even go hunting on my, on my property on on this. I mean, on this public land that I've hunted for 10 years because of these, I don't feel safe hunting this public land. Whenever things like that happen and and we, and we have to, like Alex said, we focus on the joy, we focus on the good things, but we can't ignore these things either. And so when, when things like that happen, we always have people that reach out and say, you know, what can I do? How can I help? Where I'll, I'll take this person hunting anytime. And that's great. Mm-hmm. And also we need to get, we need to figure out how to get to a point where we can be proactive, right. Rather mm-hmm. than reactive to, to oh, yeah. do these incidents, to prevent incidents like this from happening, happening by cultivating uh, love and, and relationship and community with one another mm-hmm. and with hunters who don't look like you or think like you or love like you or vote like you or pray like you. <laughs> and like us, yeah. I should say, you know, for all of us, that's so, so important to build up the hunting community to be as inclusive as we need it to be for the future, for the sake mm-hmm. of hunting and conservation. And also, if the entire hunting community supported us in our joy and our safety before it was too late, and before we're talking about these tragedies, we won't have to have as many conversations about these tragedies. You know, mm-hmm. hopefully hopefully next time we talk, um, it, it'll be because I shot my first elk out here in, in, <laughs> on the Oregon coast. Or hopefully it's because Alex got his first real grand turkey out here in Oregon with us. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, hopefully, hopefully we can do that too and, and get mm-hmm. to a point where we're focusing on joy and we're not just having to talk through. These are really hard conversations. And Alex, I just want to appreciate you for having this conversation again and again <laughs> with us and, mm-hmm. and Randy for taking the time to, to, to listen um, and to share on your platform. It, it's really important and they're also really hard. So I, I am thankful. Well, you guys are the ones doing the hard work. I mean, you guys are are being a voice where it's so helpful. It's needed. It's it's creating such a huge difference, and that's why. And I, it's pretty easy for me at the end of the year when I'm going through and saying, "Okay, this percentage of our revenue goes to the causes we support." Uh, when you called me and said you needed a slot, Lydia, it's like. All right, you guys are. <laughs> this I, I've never felt so good that some of our revenue went towards that cause. Uh, so, I w- before we wrap up, and and like I said, we're gonna. I feel like we just barely scratched the the veneer off a big piece of wood. So you're gonna get the chance to come back, or uh, or we're gonna sit around a campfire and do this. Uh-huh. I don't know which. Uh, one or the other. I'd love um, either one, man. It'd be good. It'd be <laughs> so good. I, I, I want to leave with two things. One, 
I, I know all of you are concerned about Peter and Peter's family, uh, where, where that's left them and how, the situation they find themselves in. So, uh, and then I want to also talk about at the end how people can find Hunters of Color, all the places you're at, and support you. But is there something that people listening who are interested in helping Peter's family, is there that opportunity somewhere? Yeah, I think the most important thing right now is um, sharing Peter's story. Um, and that's, there aren't that many news articles on him. It sh- I, I mean, in my opinion, it should be, you know, national, national news and national, you know, pressure, pressure, um, that we get that Peter's family gets, uh, a clear and transparent and swift, um, investigation. Um, and right now there's just really not that many people talking about him, even within the hunting community, um, which has been hard to see. But so I would say, you know, one very simple thing that people can do is share Peter's story. Um, we have uh, on our Instagram at Hunters of Color. Um, you can repost that story. Um, WTAE in Pittsburgh has covered Peter's story, but there really hasn't been much else um, cover much uh, much coverage other than that. So I, I recommend doing those things. It's super super bare minimum, <laughs> how you can, how you can help in this situation. Um, and I mentioned the GoFundMes, um, Peter's family, his brother and fiance have GoFundMe set up that have still not met their goals as they're, um, dealing with this horrible loss. And so, um, that's available too on our Instagram in our bio. Um, I'm sure Randy can find them as well. And then, um, the last thing we, we do hunters of color has a petition, um, just asking for, for the, that same clarity of the investigation on transparency in the investigation. Um, you know, we're not, we're not pushing for anything, uh, unreasonable here. We're pushing for something we believe the entire hunting community should want. And that's justice in any situation where anyone is killed, um, in the outdoors, but especially, um, when this person, you know, was just trying to get into something and, and their life was taken. So we have a petition for, for people to sign. If you're interested on change.org, it's justice for Peter Spencer. Um, and again, most importantly, that's just, it's, it's how we all interact with each other, right? It's all, it's how we listen to each other. It's how we have the humility to say, we don't have all the answers and we can listen. Even if someone else's experience is different than our own, their experience is valid. So being able to bring that into your own circles, into your own hunting camps, um, so that we can be an environment where when a new hunter comes to join us, they get to go home and tell that story to their families, no matter who that person is. Well, I hope folks will will do that. Um, yeah, I I really hope they do because here's somebody again that's without without Peter. Uh, we see way too many instances where things like this happen, and if we can make a difference, we need to. Um, Hunters of color. Where can people find? Hunters of Color. I mean, uh, I'll let you guys make the picture of your website. You had already mentioned your Instagram uh, channel, other places where they can follow and find and hit the donate button. In the woods. (laughs) 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 That's where you'll find us. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, um, just huntersofcolor.org is our website. You can read more about all of us. We got Alex's picture up there, whether or not he likes it. (laughs) We have more info on all of us um, on there too. And 
Uh, we appreciate support. And like I said, supporting the joy, supporting the effort to make the outdoors for everyone before it's too late is the goal here. So sharing, not taking anything from anybody, but sharing the outdoors with everyone. Um, so we appreciate any and all support. And um, we look forward to getting some some hunts going out here. I tried to take Matthew, actually. I tried to take your son on a duck hunt recently, but he's afraid of falling out of the boat. <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> it's a, he's going to be embarrassed that I said this. But yeah, it's, what, a, flat, it a- it's a flat bottom boat. But uh, I texted him about it and he was like, wait, when we stand up to shoot, do we fall over? (laughs) 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 He didn't tell me that part. uh, Well, get him him out there. Uh, (laughs) Alex, Legacy Land Consulting? Legacy Land Management. Management? Um, Yeah, you can find me on Instagram. uh, Legacy Land MGMT, all one word. And... um, uh, I believe there's a Facebook page, of course, as well. Uh, Legacy Land Management LLC. That's um, you know, so e- either one of those. Uh, okay. Yeah. So uh, uh, some people are going to say, "Hey, I need some land management." Does <laughs> promo code Does promo code Randy work? Yeah. When I hi- hire Alex? <laughs> Man, well, we got we got to work on that. Um, I, you know, but I, you know, I'm restricted to the to states throughout the South mostly. So uh, Louisiana, Mississippi, Florida, Georgia, uh, you know, Alabama. Um, okay. I, I get a lot of requests from Arkansas and Tennessee, but um, yeah, I'm I'm a consulting forester, uh, you know, wildlife biologist. I help people manage their uh, their assets in terms of their forest land or you know pasture land or whomever. So, okay, yep. yep. Well, if you're listening, folks, and you need some land management from somebody who sees the world of hunting, uh, Alex is your guy. That's what it's all about, man. That's what it's all yeah. about. Hunting is. Uh, conservation and managing our natural resources to their highest and best use and making sure animals have a safe, happy home is, is what it's all about. Yeah. Cool. Lydia, do you, do you, you uh, do any uh, moonlighting on the side that you got a business I can promote for you or anything? No, I'm actually, I'm actually the only person that's full time on hunters of color right now, which is, uh, it's awesome to be able to be at this point, you know, it was a couple of years there without enough funding to, to do this full time, but I'm working full time uh-huh. on hunters of color. So that's about the only thing we can promote. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think. Give blood when okay. you can. I don't know what else there is to promote. <laughs> uh, well, I really appreciate the two of you, the time you've given, but more importantly, the leadership that you've given. Uh, leading is never the easiest thing to do. And it takes time, talent, and and uh, commitment to do it. And the the hunting space the outdoor space is going to be better off because of it and and thank you for for doing that thanks randy thank you for all you do man thank you a lot you're welcome well folks uh think about this stuff uh hope that you uh you you will and when the opportunity comes I hope that you'll be one of those shining lights that that Alex and Lydia talk about that are out there. And together, uh, we'll all make progress towards this end. Thanks for being here.